it's really, really beautiful to have kind of that ability to lean on someone when you're feeling a little resistant to the change and to be able to just talk it out. Because usually when you talk out the fears that you have around the change, it becomes a little less scary just to kind of shine a light on it. What is this really about? What is this really about? I'm afraid that people are going to think it's stupid, (laughs) you know? And it's like, all right, well, that's the only thing, like definitely done people done things in my past that I've been afraid that people are going to think are stupid and it's turned out to be okay. So I think in general, people are resistant to that, but it's that intuitive hit and we all have them all the time. And so we're always just urging people, please follow that. Please follow it because not only will it build your confidence, but you'll start to see that those feelings, those knowings are actually like pointing you in that direction of what is most fulfilling. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today I am joined by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simzik. They are the co-hosts of the highly popular podcast, Almost 30. Almost 30 is the go-to podcast for heart-centered, hilarious conversations, as well as real and raw, impactful interviews with brilliant guests. The show has been downloaded over 30 million times. And in this episode, we're going to take a deep dive into the importance of finding your why and how that will help you trust the process and overcome challenges, and how this relates to purpose as well. We're also going to talk about different forms of spirituality and how they can be used as a catalyst for personal growth. We are going to get into the real reasons why you fall into the comparison trap, as well as how to avoid it and how it differentiates between men and women. Our convo is going to get into why wellness isn't just what you see in the mirror and what else you should actually measure. We're going to talk about how moving thousands of miles apart actually improved their brand and brought Krista and Lindsay closer together and how they did it. Our discussion is going to get into the do's and don'ts of starting a podcast and how this can be applied to anything else in your life and so much more. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Christy and Lindsay of Almost 30 to the Adversity Advantage podcast. What's up, Krista and Lindsay? Hello, hello. Hello, Doug. This has been fun. I feel like we could just kind of like talk BTS forever. So I'm excited that we're finally recording. Now we can we can make it a little bit more <laughs> available to everyone because I feel like we were just like straight up in the gossip world. <laughs> I'm just creating tabloids without anybody knowing. <laughs> so how y'all doing? So good. So, so good. We're coming to you from New York and LA. Fall in both places is just chef's kiss. So enjoying enjoying it all. Yeah, it feels really good. I feel like me and Lindsay are in like a really good season of our career and of our life. And, you know, I was voice noting her the other day about we're finally in this position where it feels like all the fruits of our labor are kind of coming to fruition where things are getting easier. You know, we've been in business for five years now about, and I just was thinking, I'm like, oh, we're finally able to have a little bit more space in our life than when we were in the building phase. And we're finally able to like do podcast pro with our coaching clients and the selling doesn't feel like selling. We're finally able to take Fridays off if we need. We're finally able to like just kind of live more of a balanced life than we wanted and have all the spaciousness that we've been really, really craving across the past five years when we've been just like busting our asses. So feels really good. I feel like really, really grateful to be in that place. It wasn't like this forever. And I think the most important piece is something that Lindsay and I have learned over the years is like making sure that when we are in those positions where we've wanted to be there for a long time to like always recognize and note that because most of the time you always move on to another goal. Like we always have other goals that we want to do, but it's really important that like when you're in a good spot or in a groove or you feel like things are really working to always like pull up and be like, okay, this is what we've been wanting. This is what we've been wishing for. How can we make sure to like savor this moment or even just like recognize what we've done to get us here? Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on something with the the podcast pro that you're doing that that I want to get into. I think it's a good segue because you know you've been doing your podcast and built this brand for five years. You got tens of millions of downloads, and you've really 
not just created a brand individually, but people know the Almost 30 brand, right? It's one of the most like popular podcasts in the health and wellness space. So like when in that journey of the five years, did you guys decide like, hey, we're really good at this. We're helping a lot of people. We want to teach other people to do this. Yeah, it was about, I think it was about two years ago. And, you know, we started small. I think Krista and I knew that we had learned a ton by making a lot of mistakes. And we were organically getting questions from podcasters out there, uh, a lot of how-to questions and wanting guidance and or templates or just like, how do I pitch a sponsor or how do I reach out to my dream guest? And it was really inspiring us. We're like, well, we've done that and we know how to do that. And I think that we could create the resources and really the hub for podcasters to do that and and do it in a way that's very relatable and honest. And yeah, so we, we really started with downloadables. We started with like templates for your media kit. We started with templates for reaching out to your first sponsor. And then it built from there to programs where we help people from their idea to launch. We have a growth program, a monetization program, just like really holding their hand at every point in the process. But I don't think that we started this before we were ready. I really felt like we got to the place where Krista and I were very naturally becoming like these mentors to podcast friends that we had who were starting their shows. We were being looked to by other brands and media outlets as experts in this space because we had been doing it for so long and had really literally started from our closet floors. And so you know, I don't know if we ever planned to become these guides and mentors and teachers in the podcasting space, but I think speaking to it and really reflecting back on our own journey, we truly had all of the experience and tools to be able to do this for people. And it's been one of the most fulfilling things that we've done to be able to support podcasters because we know that how much it's changed our lives. And we're, we're constantly learning. Like, I think what, like the, the mark of a good coach is that they are always learning more about the industry or the the focus that they're in. And so we're always doing industry research to be able to just give our podcasters the mo- most up-to-date information and uh, coaching possible. Yeah. I, you know, the word purpose gets thrown around so much these days and it's almost become like this buzzword, but I, I also think it's it's super important. And And I think purpose really can come from like you don't just find your purpose. I think you are your purpose based on how your life moves forward. And I think like for purpose, a lot of times what happens is you're helping people in real time get through problems that you faced back when they were in that situation. Like I remember when you guys started your podcast, it was more like you guys were coming together as two women that were like thinking about your lives. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not married. I don't have any kids. Like we're almost 30. And that became like the voice for your show was to really reach women who were, and I'm sure some men along the way to, to really curate that message, to let them know that they weren't alone. And then also that you guys weren't alone too, building that community. And then you build this for a few years and now you're like, wow, like I've, we've built this really successful podcast. People really seem to like us. We, we do it well. Let's help other people do the same. And with that said, maybe people listening to this aren't going to necessarily start a podcast, but I certainly get asked a ton of questions about like how to do it. I'm so, as I'm sure you guys do, just because people are curious of, of how something got started, they listen to. So what are some, some necessities? Like how does somebody get started? Yeah, I, I'm excited to share because I do think that podcasting, you know, has changed our lives. And I'm sure for you too, like even if your show doesn't become something where it's like your full-time job or it's making you tons of money, there's like a really beautiful thing that happens when you open yourself up to express who you are to the world in a way that feels natural, in a way that feels like it's your voice. It's just different than Instagram. It's different than YouTube. Like when you're behind the mic and maybe you're not on video, you are just like able to really express whatever's on your heart and mind. And it's been so beautiful for us. So for people that want to start podcasts, I think, you know, the very first thing is to just get really super clear on like your why. 
And I think this is where people lose it a lot. And it sounds corny and it's like the thing that people always hear. But if you aren't clear on like exactly why you're doing what you're doing, then you're going to lose steam. And then they probably won't keep up with it. You probably won't follow through with it. And you might not have a podcast that lasts beyond a few episodes. So Lindsay and I have always been super clear, like our why is to make women feel less alone and support them in their evolution. And that's been the mission from the get. We wanted the support that we are now providing to our community. So our why like is what keeps us going and what it's what makes us makes us work on weekend it's what helps us to have our full-time jobs and then also do this when we were doing that so getting really clear on your why and then Lindsay and I practiced for around seven months before we released and I'm not saying that everyone needs to practice for seven months or six months or four months but I would say that like there's something really special about taking time to like be mindful about your craft and your voice and how you want to show up in the world. So whether that's recording on your iPhone, just on your notes app, and just kind of going through what you would imagine to be one of your first episodes, or whether that's like getting a recorder or a roadcaster or a Yeti mic and just being on your computer and talking it through. I think when you are really someone that loves the process, it doesn't matter if like it's perfect. It doesn't matter if you're getting it out in a month. It doesn't matter if your podcast is going to be the biggest thing. You have to fall in love with whatever process of something that you're doing. And Lindsay and I love the process. I love interviewing. I love intros. I love all the behind the scenes. I love the process of what it is. The podcast is like actually a very small part of like the work that we do on a daily basis, but you have to enjoy the process of whatever it is that you're doing. So I would say get really clear on the why, which is going to be your guiding force. For for us, it was like something that felt really true for us. Like I felt incredibly alone as like a spiritual being growing up in Ohio and living this life in the corporate world and kind of following the trajectory that I thought would make me happy. And Lindsay had her own experience of feeling less alone. So it wasn't only something that we came together and were able to really channel and work with this mission, but it was like deeply something that we cared about. So find your why, and then really remember that the process is the purpose. You have to enjoy the process all the way through. So true. And there's a lot that you said there that I think is going to resonate with people, whether they are podcasting or not. And it's like, just to get really clear on intention and why you're doing something, because that's what is going to keep you going. Like you said, when things get hard, because I don't know if you guys experienced this. When I started my show, it was like this big novelty at first where I was like, oh, this is so cool. I have a voice. I'm interviewing certain people and I'm on iTunes. And then that high kind of wears off and you're like, whoa, this is it. <laughs> like, I, I got to keep doing this. And, and I knew I was in it for the long term. And I knew my mission and my why behind the show, but I can definitely see why so many people stop because you've reached that point and it's no longer as exciting as it was Initially, I mean, sure, I still love what I do, but I think anytime you take on a new passion project that, you, that you're really excited about, you get super pumped right away and you're so into it. And then reality sets in because now that dopamine high is worn off and you kind of have to figure out like, all right, like, like how am I going to navigate through this? And I know your, your mission has kind of stayed the same, but the show's evolved, right? I know you guys aren't, you know, essentially you guys are both not age almost 30 anymore, right? Yes. But, <laughs> you're out us. Our shows evolve so much. Yeah. Right. Right. And so I think, I think that's important because I think with anything to be able to make it long-term, you have to be able to evolve and adjust according to the time. So I guess the, the question is like, how has the show evolved? But then I think more importantly, like, how do you know when it's the right time to adjust and you're not just not seeing something through and just changing constantly? Yeah. I think that's such a good question. I think for us, you know, just to generally track where we've been as almost 30, we started out, if you listen to our first, you know, episodes, which I don't necessarily recommend, but it was very much willy nilly sharing like the rawness of like us in our late 20s, just figuring things out. And it was it was fun. It like we have an episode actually, which I do recommend listening to of us listening to our first ever episode, which is just hilarious. And just to see how far we've truly come and um, what we thought was like actually good and legit back then is is very endearing. But we started out there, kind of transitioned into more of a health and wellness focus. And then we had a season of like being very interested in entrepreneurship because I think, you know, we're always kind of following our own interests at the time we were building our own business. And now, you know, the focus is really on spirituality and supporting people in their conscious evolution. 
And so that really touches on so many things that we are both personally interested in, but then also we feel like because we're sharing this unique these unique conversations that aren't necessarily being had in the mainstream, we're starting to attract a broader audience of especially women who have always been curious and they find almost 30 and they just feel like, oh, wow, like this is what I've been looking for. These are the conversations that I've been wanting to have, but afraid to have because it's not necessarily talked about in my local community or within my friend group. So that's kind of where we're at now. But as far as, you know, allowing something to change and evolve, like, Acknowledging that like change is is quite difficult to come to terms with for most people because we're programmed to kind of feel that way about change. And I think that is the case for so many reasons. I think I can track back to like, oh, I, I know that like my parents didn't really like change. They like to like keep things the same. It was like a stability thing, a safety thing. And I think a lot of people would relate. And so I kind of learned that. And so anytime I am given like the the little nudge that okay, things are ready to evolve and change. I'm always a little resistant because I'm like, what does this mean? What does this say about me? What does this require of me? I really have to step up. I really have to take a risk. But it's been cool because we have each other, you know, anytime that Krista and I have felt like it's time to evolve, it's time to evolve our cover art. It's time to, you know, change the way we do things within the business or behind the scenes with the business, or, you know what, it's time to take away our formal intro and just kick off the show with a little jingle and us welcoming people to the show. It's really, really beautiful to have kind of that ability to lean on someone when you're feeling a little resistant to the change and to be able to just talk it out. Because usually when you talk out the fears that you have around the change, it becomes a little less scary just to kind of shine a light on it what is this really about? What is this really about? I'm afraid that people are going to think it's stupid, <laughs> you know? And it's like, all right, well, if that's the only thing, like I've definitely done people done things in my past that I've been afraid that people are going to think are stupid and it's turned out to be okay. So I think in general, people are resistant to that, but it's that intuitive hit and we all have them all the time. And so we're always just urging people, please follow that. Please follow it because not only will it build your confidence, but you'll start to see that those feelings, those knowings are actually like pointing you in that direction of what is most fulfilling. I love how you brought up the formal intro. That's something that I've thought about not doing away with, but adjusting it. Cause I'm like, when I'm listening to podcasts, I mean, don't take this the wrong way. I just fast forward through all the intros and I'm like, I just want to hear the conversation. Like if people want to read up about the guests, there's a short, you know, obviously the space to see who's on the show and what they do. But a lot of it is just, it's fluff, right? And there's certain people that, that like it, but I think a lot of people that I talk to fast fast forward through the intros. And I think, Krista, this is going to be for you because I know this is something you're super passionate about. I think in order to change and to pivot, you really have to be comfortable with who you are like on the inside because a lot of people will pivot and change to please somebody else. So they'll, they'll pivot and change because they see something on social media. They, they think it's the cool thing to do and they fall into the comparison trap. So I guess like, what are some tips that you have for people to really embrace who they are at their core and, and have that true sense of self so that when they do need to make a change or when they are progressing in their life, they're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, I think what you brought up too, just when you were talking, I was kind of thinking about those scenes, you know, from my perspective, just kind of like two different things a little bit. It's like when someone is following someone else's path that is not meant for them, that essentially is a little bit comparing and they're seeing someone else's like someone's, they're wanting to like have their same path. And I think that's like a very unique thing. I think that happens all the time. And for me, that's always been something that just takes you a lot. It just leads you off your path and it takes you a lot longer to find your own purpose. And then the comparison thing is huge. You know, I found myself quite often comparing where I'm at in my business, what I look like, how much money I have, all these specific things to other people. And I did an episode on comparison and I wanted to really understand like what's going on in the brain when we compare. I think when I can understand like the, it's not like I love, I'm not like a science obsessed person, but I can, I can actually understand what's happening in my body chemically. I think it's easier to like repattern or rewire what's going on. And our brain is actually wired to compare. It's actually completely normal that we compare. It keeps us safe. It helps us organize life. It helps us understand concepts and ideas. So that really as like 
the result of understanding that really helps me to have more compassion for myself when I know that I'm comparing all the time. So we have this brain that loves to compare. And then we go on social media where we're presented with millions of opportunities and millions of opportunities to compare our lives and ourselves and how we look in every part of who we are to someone else online that we don't know, that we maybe will never know, that, you know, could be even a real person or not. And so our brain just goes in this overdrive of this opportunity to compare. And something else that I found in my research is that women are much more likely to compare. And I think I knew that in my heart. I was like, oh yeah, that seems right. But they have studies that talk about how women that are more empathic, women that are have anxiety and depression, that women are much more likely to compare because we are these like social creatures that usually have like this like empathy and this like part of us that's like super sensitive. And I've seen that definitely within our community. So with that, I was just able to like first have compassion for myself whenever I find myself in a loop of comparison. And then second, really work on like, okay, what is happening when I feel myself comparing and I feel terrible. I just, I don't like it at all. I don't, I don't like the feeling of, I don't know if you guys have ever had this, but like before bed and you're thinking about someone else's life that you found on social media. And you're like, oh yeah, they had this story they posted. Then they have this kitchen and they just think, and I was like, oh, that is like, that is not really psychically okay. And that is really odd that like I'm living in my own experience and then I'm playing out some like fantasy weird experience about someone else that I've never met. And so the way that I work with comparison a lot is like, firstly, just to remember, like, it's actually none of my business. Like whatever goes on in this person's life literally has nothing to do with me and is none of my business. Like their path is with them and God and their, the way they've lived their life is with them and God. Who knows what goes on behind the scenes? Who knows what happened in a past life or a previous life to get them there? Who knows what kind of karma they have coming and going. And so just being really real with myself, like, oh, this has nothing to do with me. Like, oops, maybe like I was like, this actually is none of my business to compare. And then really thinking about like, what practices can I put in place to like reduce the amount of times I'm comparing mostly on social media. And I do feel like as like a last point, when we compare, we're really blocking a lot of blessings. Like we're blocking the gratitude we have for our own life by really wanting what someone else has. And you could also look at it as a guidepost. You know, like when I look at someone's life, I'm really interested in like how um, aligned with their mission they are, how successful their business is. Now I'm looking for, I want a house at some point. So how, how nice is their house? I'm really only comparing myself to things that I truly want. So how can you use that as like a guide for your future of like, this is actually what I desire. Like this thing that I'm comparing is something that I'm really attracted to and I desire. How can I make this happen for me eventually in the future or add this as like a part of my path in life where I'm working towards a goal of this thing that I'm comparing myself to. And instead of feeling bad, I'm feeling excited because I know that's for me in the future. Right. Yeah. I heard something a couple of years ago and I don't know if it, I think it was a recovery thing, but they were like, there's three types of businesses. There's your business, there's God's business, and there's none of your business. And I was like, oh, it's so true. I mean, I, I, we all like, I think some of us like to use these car analogies, but they work. Like, I think if you're driving a car and you're looking, you're staring at the car next to you the whole time, what's going to happen? You're going to, you know, you're going to get into a car accident. And it's kind of like in life, if you're constantly staring at what somebody else is doing the entire time, you're going to crash somewhere because you're going to be miserable. You're going to be unhappy. You're going to be unhealthy. And it's hard though, because we're, we're so wired, I think, yeah. to just, just compare ourselves to other people's lives. And I think a lot of times what happens though, is we just end up blending in to certain groups. Like if we, if you're somebody who follows somebody on social media and you follow the same thousand people or whatever, you become that person because they're now like part of your community and you lose your sense of identity. So when you lose your sense of identity, you're less likely to get connected to yourself, to be able to make decisions for yourself or, you know, figure out what you really want. So along those lines, like, I know you both are obviously into spirituality, but you have your different modalities in doing so. So what are some of your best practices to get connected to yourself so that you can get really clear on like who you are and then how to move forward? Mm. Yeah, I think it changes all the time. Yeah. And I think like in the space that we're in with just speaking to the most incredible people and getting tips and insights all the time, sometimes I get a little stressed because I'm like, mm, I need to try that or I need to do that. Or sometimes I'll like 
shit on myself for not meditating or doing the thing I said I was going to do. But lately it's been like super simplified. And I think for me and Krista and I share this, like just taking our walks and whether it's with people or without people, there is like a recentering that's happening on a walk for me. I am pretty conscious not to have something in my ears the whole time. Sometimes I'll be in the mood to like take in information, but usually I'm just like in the world and I'm just like looking around and I'm, I'm taking in my environment and just randomly thoughts will come in and then they'll go out and I'll think about something for a little bit and I'll process something. And it's just like this very natural way to move some lingering thoughts and feelings that doesn't seem super intense and dramatic and something that I can do every single day. And then I'll have practices that are a bit more focused and something that I need to almost like prepare for. One of those is like breath work. That's a practice that I found a couple years ago. And I believe I found it through Brie Melanson. Brie Melanson, she's a medium and channel, but she also facilitates breath work. And we've done breath work at a lot of our events and, and retreats. But yeah, for me, it's usually those embodiment practices that help me to remember how I feel, who I am, what my soul is saying. And breath, it is that like, your breath is life. You know, it, it, there is a power when you are focused on the breath and bringing fresh oxygen to parts of your body that are stagnant, that might be holding on to things like trauma and fear and memories. And so I've just, I found it to be like a psychedelic experience without the psychedelics. So yeah, I would, I would just mention those two on opposite ends of the intensity spectrum for me that I'm doing, I'm doing regularly. Yeah, those are good ones. I, the breathwork thing, I, I, I feel myself whenever I do it, I try and do it. And then I'm getting to the point where it's going to do something. And I'm like, I like pull back. I'm like, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop the hard breath as soon as something is about to happen, which is weird because it's not normally like me. I'm normally very like, I can sort of go for it, whatever it is. But there's something about breath work where I feel like it's going to unleash something in me that I'm actually a little scared of. But yeah, Lindsay and I just being in the space that we're in, we're like, we've tried so many different things. We've done ayahuasca, we've done psilocybin, we've done Reiki, we've done shamanic healing, we've done alien transmissions. We've really done so much just because of we're in this space and we're always open to try. Some things have resonated, some things haven't. For me, I think one of the things that really resonated with me earlier on was Reiki. Reiki is just like it's energy healing, essentially. It's through like a Japanese principle and a Japanese art with symbols and like a very old lineage of, of energy healing. And so I am a Reiki certified master and I went through the training. It was really good. And it really helped me to understand like my own energetic body and an understanding of like how my energy can be moved in the world and how my energy interacts with other people. So that felt like that really resonated with me. What also has been incredibly helpful for me my whole life has been meditation. And I know like people's eyes glaze over when you're like, oh, meditation, but it really is like the most profound thing. And in every spiritual text that I've ever read, there's mention of meditation. There's mention of being quiet. There's a mention of connection to source or connection to the divine or allowing some time for your thoughts to percolate or your soul to talk to you or for, you know, you to process something that you're going through. Like meditation is really like the bubble bath for your brain and like the clearing of your thoughts and the processing of any trauma that you have. So I found meditation to be like a staple for me that has always changed my life. And I think that's like my favorite thing to recommend for people because it's free and you can access it anyway. And it's really changed my whole personality. Like it's changed me in such a powerful way that I can't ever deny it. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition made with high-quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers and contain less than three grams of sugar per serving. This includes Organifi green juice, which I am now using in my smoothies, either after a workout or for a great on-the-go snack. It's loaded with essential superfoods and a clinical dose of ashwagandha. 
It helps reduce stress and support healthy cortisol levels. Cutting down on caffeine is a big initiative of mine as we head into the new year, and Organifi's Red Juice is going to help me do just that. It's basically a superfood fruit punch that gives me a jolt of energy without the caffeine, and it only has two grams of sugar. If you aren't into smoothies, don't worry. Organifi products are super easy to mix, and you can add one scoop to a glass of water. So go to www.organifi.com forward slash Doug and use code Doug for 20% off your order. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash Doug and use the code Doug for 20% off any item. Now back to the show. A bubble bath for the brain. I love that. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's really true. I mean, it's I've gotten more into breath work these last probably six months more consistently doing Wim Hof with a few friends at my buddy's house. We go and all it's all like a thing. Like we go over there and we do breath work and he's built a sauna and he's got a cold tub there. And it's been, it's been life-changing for me. Meditation, something that's, that's often been very resourceful for me, but mm-hmm. one of my goals I'm working on is being more still and less distracted yeah. as I finish out this year and, and next year, because I don't know if, if uh, you girls can relate to this, but since I've been home more, I've been on my phone and technology a lot more than I was say like two or three years ago. And I've found myself having my attention span be affected by it where now I'm not able to pay attention as long as I good right yeah and should so, have um Cal Newport Cal Newport you should have on the podcast he's like really powerful on the work of like attention it's called digital minimalism and then he also talks about deep work we had him on like a year or so ago two years ago and he was just incredible and like really profound in the space of like attention it's actually scary when you think about it because we're just completely losing our ability to have attention and hold attention. So just wanted to make that note because I just really feel you on that. Yeah. Yeah. His work's awesome. I've kind of dove into a little bit of it. I haven't, I've read his, what I read deep work, I think was a book sure. his, like years ago. Then I've heard him on a couple of podcasts and I think his work is, is, is fascinating. And I guess to, to put a bow on this and the, the work of spirituality, I know you girls have said that you focus on things on the podcast that you're into at the moment. So was there a moment like a couple of years ago where you both noticed you were building this business and there was a certain part of you that was missing spiritually and that inspired you to dive in to that, to that line of work? I think for, for me, I don't know. I've always been someone that felt like I was spiritual. You know, even when I was young, like I was seeing things, I was feeling things. It was something that I kind of had to shut down. I think this is the case for so many people where you kind of shut it down as you're in grade school and high school because it doesn't really make sense. And then you sort of have these curiosities when you get older. But the one thing that I've really known, whether I thought it was spirituality or not, is that whenever I do listen to the voice in my head, in my heart, in my gut, that things, beautiful things happen, you know, in my life, whether that's relationships, whether that's jobs, whether that's you know, special synchronicities. I always knew that. And so the more that I developed an understanding of that, the more that I realized that that is such a beautiful part of spirituality that so many of us have access to. And when I talk about spirituality, like we can think about just like the voice that exists in our head that is judging people, that is talking nicely about people, that is telling us what to do is partly the ego, but so much of it's the soul. And we all have that. We all have that like connection within us. And I think too, when I was on the path of like the health and wellness conversation that Lindsay and I were having for so long, I personally felt like you could only get to a certain point and then you're realizing that it's so much more than food. It's so much more than working out. It's so much more than following a diet. It's so much more than, you know, doing this certain hit workout. It's all about your like energetic body and how you feel and your spirit and like your emotions. Like we are not one thing. We are not just a body. We are not just a mind. We are not just like a soul. We are all of these things together. So the deeper we got in it, the more we realized like, oh, we can't deny that, you know, when we speak our truth, we feel better in our body. That when we have our meditation practice or or whatever practice it is that other parts of our life work too. Or when we, you know, listen to our heart, our business does better. Or when our relationship is good, everything seems to flow. So it sort of all just started to like come together and make sense. And it really became something that was like, okay, we can't deny that the spirituality aspect and the way that that expresses in the world through these different modalities or healers or experiences is something that we want to explore because it's like what we're most interested in now because it's made the deepest impact on our life financially, emotionally, physically from a relationship perspective too. And I just think I agree with all of that. And I just think 
life is so much more full and fun when it's not just like the day, the physical day to day of like, this is what I have to do. You know, these are my to-do lists. These are my goals and we do them and then we go to bed. You know, like there is so much more happening. And I think, you know, Almost 30 really brought that, like the entity of Almost 30 kind of brought that to me where I was like, whoa, I never thought that I would be here, you know, hosting a podcast, founding a company with my best friend. I never thought that I could talk to the most interesting from my perspective, people in the world. I never thought that we could have a community of people who feel at home and who feel like themselves. And so just that to me personally, I was like, whoa, like I couldn't have dreamt this up for myself. And so there must be something bigger here. There must always be something at play that is influencing the path, you know? And I just love having faith in that over relying just on myself to like figure it out. Right. I'd love to hear too what your experience with it has been because your path, I mean, was it always a part of your path or has it just more like deeply increased? No, it hasn't been my path. It's only been my path probably the last maybe five or six years or so. For sure. Because growing up, I grew up old school Greek Orthodox where I knew if you're good, you go to heaven. If you're bad, you go to hell. And I knew I was on a highway to hell based on like where my life was going. Yeah, And then I was like, well, if God's about love, right, because God's supposed to love everybody, why am I being bullied? Why am I being abused? Why am I being picked on? Why am I addicted to like all these questions I began to ask myself. So I was like, there's no there's no way this thing's real. And when I was in jail, I would like, you know, I treated God like Santa Claus. I was like, please get me out of here or please put money in my bank account or or what have you. And then, you know, you guys know my story, like fitness saved my life when I was in jail. And that became like the thing that got me to a certain place. I changed my nutrition. I started to eat better. I surrounded myself with better people. I got involved in the personal development space, but I still found myself like anxious. I still found myself looking back and having a lot of regrets and resentments towards my family, towards myself, or even looking in the mirror. And I was like somebody who had gotten to a point where I was like five or 6% body fat, but I still saw that old Doug in the mirror. And I was like, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And, and a client of mine had been begging me to come to church. And I was like, dude, I am not coming to church. Like that's the last place I ever want to be in. And I got kind of triggered, I guess I could say, if anybody brought up Jesus, God, and what have you. And just one day I was in Florida at a, at a retreat and my life was not falling apart, but I had had all the things I was ripped. I was making great money as a trainer. I just wrote my first book. I was, you know, clean from drugs or whatever. And I still wasn't happy. And my, one of my mentors was like, you need to have like some faith in your life. You have a great group of friends. You're a good looking dude. You're successful. You have a good personality. Like that's missing. And I was just like, whatever, I'll give it a try. So I remember calling my, my, my client and I was like, Hey man, I think I'm ready to give this Jesus thing a try. I swear it, it would have like what his reaction, it, it was almost like I told him he won the lottery. I was like, why is this guy acting so weird? <laughs> I was like, this is very strange. <laughs> so so I, go to, I go to church and I get on my knees and I acknowledge that Jesus died for me and what have you. And, and for those listening, like, I don't care what walk of faith you have. Like, this is just my story. And it's not more, it's not about me. Like, I'm not a check the box religious person. It's more about the relationship and what it's done for me. But when I left his office, I broke down in tears. And I can't, I can't make this up. I don't know how to explain it, but the same monkey that came off my back when I was doing drugs came off my back again that day. And I called my mom and I apologized. And for the first time for like being a knucklehead as a teenager and, and my life changed from that. And I realized that I, I might not have been proud of all the decisions that I made, but, but God was because now he has used them to not only help me, but to help other people. And that really changed things for me. And it also helped me realize that like looking good naked isn't just about how you look physically. I know you guys like to talk about like this whole subject of feeling whole and complete with wellness too. It's like, you can be incredibly ripped physically, but if you're mentally broken, spiritually broken and emotionally broken, that doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't matter at all. So I'm trying to, to encourage people just based on my own journey to say like, yeah, like take care of your body, work out, like focus on like that. That's important. But I think to make that, even more meaningful, you have to take care of yourself on the inside. Like, I think our external world 
is a reflection about how we feel about ourselves internally. So I love how you guys brought up that there was so much, so much deeper than just the food and the fitness. Mm-hmm. It's your, it's your relationship to everything. Like right. there's food, there's fitness, there's relationships, there's work, but what is your relationship to that? Cause someone could work at a grocery store and bag groceries and they could love what they do. They could love interacting with clients. So their relationship to that produces the outcome of enjoying their work. You know, you could have the ripped body, like you said, and I was someone that has struggled with my body for a long time. And I remember being the lowest, like five pounds below the lowest weight I ever wanted to be in my life. And I was like, oh my God, I am 0% happier. And I remember that feeling. I was like, everyone was right. You know, you have that feeling where you're like, we all know that money doesn't make us happy. We all know that looking perfect doesn't make us happy. We all know that all of these things don't make us happy. But yet we continue to chase them with that belief where it's like, you have to see for yourself. Like we're always like, I have to see for myself. Does money make me happy? And we know all these things. So it's like, I don't know if you have to get to that point where you have everything and then you realize, oh my gosh, that's not it. It's actually these things like making meaning of my life that make me happy. But I do remember we had someone on that talked about happiness. She was a professor at Yale and she did a lot of studies on happiness. And it really isn't that people... Being happy doesn't make people happy because happiness is actually fleeting. It's actually people having a purpose. So if you feel like you're having a purpose in your life, you're way more satisfied with your life than actually being happy because happy goes up and it goes down. And when I realized that with almost 30 and even in my life, I'm like, oh my God, all I wanted was purpose. Like having purpose allows me to ride the waves of whatever emotions I'm going through and to feel sad and feel happy sometimes. But if I have a deep purpose, whether it's my relationship with God, source, creator, universe, or whether it's like this desire for me to live in my authentic expression and create, I know that like, that's going to be the thing that will get me through any feelings that I have. It's the faith over the feelings. Yeah. And, and you're, you're so spot on because and it's funny, like people will always ask me this and I'm sure you guys get asked this too. It's like, if you like back, like what would you have needed when you were at your deepest, darkest moment, like as a teenager in your early twenties to make you happy. And for mm. me, what I would have said was I wanted to be ripped. I wanted to, ha- to be dating a hot girl and I wanted to be making like good money. But mm. I've, ha- and that's the, the funny thing is it all came full circle because I kind of had those things and I still wasn't happy. So at the end of the day, like I, I think, some of these struggles we go through, we're meant to go through because we're meant to, to get connected to ourselves on a deeper level. Because when we go through painful moments, when we go through adversity, it's a great time for us to go within and, and practice some self-reflection and say like, why am I feeling this way? Or what do I need to do? Like, what do I need to change? Who do I need to cut out of my life or whatever it is? And then you start to get reconnected to who you truly are at the core and I guess, Krista, to, to touch on what you were just saying, you said you talked a lot about, you said you struggled a lot with body image growing up, and that's been a big part of your brand. And, and I love talking about this because it's, it's so important. I don't know if you know this, but hospitalizations, I believe, for teenage girls, like attempted suicides was up like 50% or something during COVID. I don't know the exact age rates, but it was up 50%. For, there was an article that came out, and that's been a big focus of mine, or not a big, but a focus of mine. I just had Victoria Garrick on my podcast to talk about body image this week. And there's a lot of people that struggle with it, right? Because they have this ideal body of what they think they should look like based on an image that could or couldn't be Photoshopped. So has, has your struggles with, I know you had struggles with diet pills and Adderall and stuff growing up. Has that been an inspiration for your purpose now and empowering women to be comfortable with who they are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I've, when I say I've done all the things, I've really done all the things to lose weight. And, you know, just touching on the point of the suicide rate increasing among young girls, my therapist, actually, she's a, she specializes in body image and eating disorders and all of that. And she works at a clinic. So we talk about it quite often, like what is actually happening with young girls. And I think so much of it is, this is my own personal opinion. This is not hers, but I think so much of it is body image comparison online. But also it's like, no wonder, like we all have been Like we're all primates, like in a way, like we need touch, we need connection, we need community, we need 
purpose and we need like specific things. And when you take all of that away from one another, and then we're just feeding people this like dopamine without the actual other like hormones within our body that actually make us feel safe and whole and loved. We're just at a recipe for disaster for so many different people. And suicide has sort of almost been glamorized too in a lot of the media where there's a lot of songs about it. There's a lot of conversation about it. It's sort of brought into world for very young impressionable people that seems like a really relevant way out but as far as like my journey with my body image stuff yeah I was someone that you know there was someone close to me in my family that when I was very young I'll never forget they were like you know my biggest fear of having kids was if they were going to be fat <laughs> it was like I was young I was like okay got it fat equals no love fat equals abandonment fat equals disaster and there was a lot of other things that happened in my life that really just like sort of solidified that idea and perpetuated those ideas within my life in different experiences and relationships but I did everything with diet pills Adderall you know various types of things but the more that I really focused on my own even like spiritual journey and understanding like who I am outside of my body I've been able to really help myself and I've been able to support myself but it wasn't until I really got to the point where the voices in my head just became so loud that I was like oh I can't do this anymore like I can no longer participate in this loop conversation these loop thoughts that I'm having about what I'm eating how I look all this kind of stuff and I'm thankful I went through that because I feel like so many people can relate. And I completely understand when your mind is just overtaken by all of those things. But my spiritual practice and the understanding of the eternality of our soul, of our creator, of my mission and my purpose has deeply helps me to shift my focus from like, what do I look like? How much do I weigh? All these things to something greater. And I really think too, it's like, man, like what a sign of the Western world, you know, what a sign of the Western world where we have so much time that we're able to be like, oh my gosh, I have every single need met in the world. And here I am spending so. this is me talking to myself here. I'm spending so much time wondering about what I'm going to wear because I feel like fat or wondering about how much I'm going to reduce my eating because I don't feel good. All of these different things. And so when we have that like capacity for extra time and space and all of these things, it's like it's no wonder, but yeah, it's a hard one. And I know, you know, that you've also had your own journey and when you get on a side and I'm not on the other side, but when you get on a side where you feel like you can live a day without feeling completely overtaken by those thoughts and feelings, it feels so, so good. Yeah. And Lindsay, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Cause I know you had your own journey with, with body image and, and working out when you were at soul cycle, but I know for me, I, I was the fat kid growing up and I was the one who was unathletic and a couple of my brothers, my bro, my one, one of my brothers was more athletic um, than us. He was my half brother. And it kind of created, um, I, I was, I don't know if it was, I was jealous, but I saw him and I was like, why is he like have these awesome genes? And here I am like gaining weight or here I was where I gained it at a young age. But, you know, aside from that, I felt that once I lost the weight, I was going to milk it as long as I possibly could. I'm like, look at me. I lost all this weight. I was getting attention now. And that became like another addiction. I'm like walking around with my shirt off everywhere. I'm like flexing my abs. I'm like at Abercrombie and Fitch trying to be a model, like all these things that I look back and I'm like, God, I was a freaking doofus. Like, I can't believe I did that. But I'm so glad that I went through those experiences because now as I look back, I'm comfortable when I travel, if I'm like so busy because I'm meeting up with friends that I'm not able to get a workout in. Or if I'm out in a nice restaurant, I can have some dessert or I can have like a meal that I might not typically eat throughout the week. And I don't go home and like stress out because it used to keep me, it literally used to keep me up at night when I would have a bad meal because I'm so like logical that I'm like, all right, when I would eat shitty food, I would feel shitty about myself and then I would do drugs. So I was like, if I do this again, that means I'm, there's a chance that I can go back and do drugs again. But now I've improved my relationship with myself and gotten spiritual. And then also I've gotten to the point now where fitness is part of my life. It's not my whole life. And I think that's an important piece for people to remember too. So Lindsay, I know for you, you, you talked about like, I mean, you were in the entertainment industry and trying to, to make it as an actress and an entertainer and on Broadway and stuff. I know that obviously there's a lot of body image in that space. So how did you, how did you handle all of that? And how did you improve your relationship with food? Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of like feedback all the time about my body and it, it was never personal, right? Like it was always just like what I think people in the industry would say are just like kind of our standards or what we're looking for, or this is the criteria you need to meet in order to 
be cast or make money or be paid or whatever. And, you know, I, I remember just, so I worked as a fit model for many years. And what a fit model is, is kind of like the non-glamorous version of a model. They work behind the scenes to like make certain brands clothes fit the way they do. And I just remember they would measure my body every single week. And, you know, I understood that it was a part of the job. It wasn't a surprise, but I was just shocked by the the insensitive nature of the way in which this was done, as if the models working for these brands were just robots who could make their thigh miraculously smaller the next week, but make their waist a little bit bigger so that they could fit the specs. It was just kind of a wild thing. And thankfully, I I actually, I didn't take it personally. I was more so annoyed by it because of how insensitive they were. And I lost jobs. Like I, I lost jobs over that where, no, I couldn't make my thigh smaller and my waist bigger in two weeks. Like, I just can't do that. This is my body. <laughs> but it absolutely, I think subconsciously made me just a little bit more aware of my body, you know? And I think that in every room that I went into, I was always looking at who else was about to go in the room after me or who was just in the room before me. And I would play the comparison game of like, well, you know, she's a little bit thinner or she's a little bit shorter. She's a little bit taller or, oh, I heard her saying it's like, it's, it's much better than I could do. And not knowing at all, you know, how they presented in the room or what the person was looking for. All that to say, it shifted when I entered the fitness industry for the better, at least at first. And so I was finally able to use my body in a way that felt powerful, that felt expressive, and that could be a, from my perspective, like healthy example for people. Because I wasn't the thinnest one, I wasn't the fittest one, but I was showing up working really hard and empowering people to give their best, you know, in every workout and appreciate their bodies, you know, like I feel like we and I'm sure you've had this experience, Doug, of just like running your body into the ground and punishing your body, hoping that it will turn into what you want it to be. And it's like, do we take a moment to really appreciate all that our body has been through throughout our lives, all that our bodies go through to in order to look a certain way? So I, I felt really, really confident during that period. And then it just got to the point where I was being overworked and I was not listening to my body. I was choosing the paycheck of, you know, teaching 15 classes in a week over listening to my body, which was saying, hey, your adrenals are completely shot. Like we cannot do this every day. You're dehydrated. Your voice is like really, really poor and suffering. And the list goes on. And so yeah, eventually like that became too much because I feel like anything overdone will produce an imbalance of some sort. And so I was experiencing a lot of imbalance in my body physically, emotionally. And in the end, or just looking back, I'm like, thank God my body was telling me these things all along, right? Like it's always giving us messages and always acting as that antenna. And so now it's really my job to be able to listen on a daily basis. It's my job to keep like the static clear. So it's, it does involve like eating clean. It does involve getting enough sleep, getting enough water, being with people I love, you know, like just being um, as intentional as possible because I don't want to miss any more messages. I'm going to, I think naturally, but just, I was completely numbed out back then and was not listening to a word my body was saying. So to be in a place now where even the little things like I, I'm picking up on and able to then, yeah, make the next best choice for me. Right, right. And yeah, I mean, you brought up some really, really good points. And I think one of the ones that I think a lot of people relate to is is this idea of just running your body into the ground in order to get the body that you think 
you know, everybody else wants you to have. Right. And while I think it's, it's great to have a healthy relationship with your body and love yourself for who you are and have spirituality and that sort of thing. I also said, like, I also think like you said, like you also have to take care of yourself. You can't just use it as an excuse to just self-destruct and say, well, I mean, I'm just going to love myself for who I am. And I'm just going to eat whatever I want, not sleep, not exercise, because we all know that you're going to feel like crap if you do that too. And you're right. Like, I think you have to attach a strong enough why to whatever you're doing or life will do it for you. And one of the stepping stones to me getting spiritual that really brought me to my knees was I, I, I've, I used to struggle with panic attacks when I was a teenager. And that was honestly one of the things that, that forced me into my opiate addiction was I couldn't stop having panic attacks when I smoked pot. So I started to get involved and take painkillers because that would allow me to, to get high and not have anxiety and ended up going to the hospital a couple of times. But anyway, to bring it back full circle, I had run myself, my body so much into the ground, trying to become a model, I was a training, training for physique competition, training clients all day. And I literally had a panic attack when I was working out in front of all these other trainers at the gym. My heart rate got to like 200. And I started freaking out. And then I started to get panic attacks then whenever I worked out. And I was a mess because I was like, oh shit. Like the one thing that has helped me stay clean and stay on a, like a straightened path is now a detriment to my health. And I had to get spiritual and then re-identify re my relation, my relationship with health and fitness. And that was a, it's a whole other topic for a whole other day, but I totally relate to what you just said about running your body into the ground. And when you do, like a lot of times we think it's for our benefit to do it, but the, the repercussions could be pretty severe if we're, if we're not careful. I, like one of the things that I know as we kind of wrap up our conversation that I think has been a pivotal moment for you guys is, is this last year. I mean, I know when you guys started the podcast, you guys both met working at soul cycle and you both had this common interest in, in your own stories and helping other women in that same position and then built a really successful podcast. And, and through that, you get to this point earlier this year where now you're both in LA then and Krista, you're getting married. And then Lindsay, you have a guy that you're seeing in New York and it's like, you're forced to make a change. Like, are you like, all right, I want to keep doing this, but I want to move to New York to enhance my personal life. So if you could walk the audience like through that process, like how you came to that decision and then how you've used your experience in being in a long distance relationship, Lindsay, to enhance the relationship that you and Krista have now. Yeah, it was, it was such a big decision, you know, when like that, like very full body yes happened, I was like, oh God, <laughs> what is this going to mean for everybody involved, you know? And it felt exciting because I just knew it was a yes, but I was just also like, wait a second, my whole, you know, most of my life, obviously the business, Krista, almost 30, I'd built a life in LA. I was just like, is this possible? Is this right? You know, the self-doubt started to come in, but I had done enough getting to know myself to know that this was right. It's just that the logistics were daunting to me. The hard conversations were daunting to me. And I think I was also still working on like that worthiness piece of like, do I deserve to do the thing that I really want to do? <laughs> you know, it was like kind of scary and confronting to actually follow through with something like that. But, you know, Chris and I have lived many lives together. And so this was this was huge for us and also just another opportunity to get closer, to learn more about each other, to have a hard conversation that actually turned into just a big opening, you know, an opening of possibilities. You know, we could it was a catalyst for a lot of change within the business. It was a catalyst for change an exploration of our own individual interests, which has been really beautiful. And so, yeah, we, we came together and there was a lot of tears and discomfort and anger and sadness and doubt and like all of the everything really, but also like joy and happiness too. But with the help of our coach and individual therapy, we were able to just slowly walk through. And it was truly like a week by week conversation of both logistically what this was going to look like. And then also just like coming together as friends, you know, it was it was important. And we've learned this over the years that if our relationship as friends 
is not solid and alive, then the business is going to suffer. And so this was a personal decision that affected both of us that really opened up a conversation that I think brought us much closer. And so, yeah, we, after we had those really like deep conversations, we just started to logistically figure out how this was going to work. And I think we did so, yeah, just with a lot of looking back now, I'm like, we, we did it with so much like grace and excitement. There were not many moments where we were like, fuck, how is this going to work? We're like, we're going to make it work like we always do. And I think it surprised me how how fulfilling it's been to be able to come together, work in batches, like really have focused, connected time and then also have the space to like work on our business in ways that we haven't been able to before, to work on our own personal endeavors to give time and attention to our personal lives. You know, Krista and I, starting almost 30 for years, like it, we poured everything into it. We were working weekends, nights, mornings, in between our full-time jobs. And so now to kind of lean back a little bit and like really enjoy what we've created, is, it's, it's been really, really fulfilling. That's awesome. Krista, what about you? Yeah, I think Lindsay explained it perfectly, but you know, it's one of those things like in life, if we're about supporting people in their evolution and we're about that life, we need to do it for each other. We need to do it for ourselves. And we need to be someone that, or like friends that actually support like the evolution of me being married, Lindsay being with her partner in New York. We don't ever want to be like, we're the same. We stayed the same. This is who we are. This is what our life is. Like we always want to give people the freedom to evolve and to change and to change their opinion and to change their views and to like move and to make mistakes and to make the right decisions and to do all of the things that life includes. And so this is really just part of that. And it's been amazing. Like it's been so good for both of us. You know, me and Lindsay are so connected that like even the space has been nice for us to sort of like recalibrate on like who exactly we both are as individuals so that we can come together like even better. Yeah. And I, and I, you, you both said it so beautifully. And I think with distance, it can go two ways, right? It can create tension. It can create insecurities. It can create fear. Like it can trigger all these things, right? But I think it can also enhance appreciation. I think it can bring people closer together because now like you, you're more present and focused when you guys talk to each other because you're like, mm-hmm. oh, like I don't get to talk to her or see her nearly as much as I did like last year, and you guys are probably communicating, I would guess, a little bit more virtually than you would be if you were in person because there, you just have to, right? And, and I think with every bad situation, you have the opportunity to either see the good in it or see the bad in it. And I think the people who see the good in the situation while also acknowledging the situation in itself are the ones that tend to grow out of it in a way that's better for them long-term and the people that focus on just the negatives in the situation are the ones that kind of stay stuck in that same situation. Like if you guys had moved and been like, oh my gosh, like you're going to leave and you're going to start your own podcast or we're not going to talk, then the the podcast would have, could have stopped. Right. And that wouldn't have been good. And that's what you, neither of you wanted. But I think the fact of the matter is you guys have built this strong foundation together and been through so much over the last five years that it's allowed you to, to build this incredible trust in each other. And it's, it's pretty inspiring. So I feel like I get just one, just on that, I just wanted to say, I think one of the things that we learned through like some of the, the people that we work with from like a coach mentor perspective was like always like thinking about the best possible outcome. And I think for us, so many of us in our lives, we're actually trained to think about the worst possible outcome. Like how could I prevent myself from feeling hurt? How can we prevent the worst scenario from happening? Like almost 30 is ending and we're, you know, all of these things happening and that's completely normal. We've sort of been programmed in that way from like a evolutionary perspective, but like, what if this turned out better than we could have ever imagined? Like, what would that look like? And I think when you're able to sort of train your brain to do that, most of the time, your life becomes really beautiful, but even pulling yourself out of those small moments and those small times when you're like, oh my God, what if our lives got better? What if we got more successful? What if we got more aligned? What if we became more of ourselves? What if, you know, we had great 
ability to travel to see one another like what would that be and there's any possibility is infinitely possible in the world so it's like what if we put our energy to that potential happening because from a logistical perspective it's both could happen like the worst thing could happen and the, the best thing could happen like why can we or how can we really bring in the best possible scenario in more of what we do absolutely and you're so right and i think it's it's so important for for people to focus on the future because i think that's the the whole idea like that book i think it's like stoicism and yeah i guess like it's like focusing on the the future and knowing if you're in a bad situation knowing that the future will be better if you put the effort you know, needed forward and you, and you do the right things on a day-to-day basis. And I think that's just life. Like if you're in a bad situation, like just know that you've gotten through every other bad situation that you've ever been through in your entire life. You've gotten through it, right? Mm-hmm. And you're here today and you're still, by the grace of God, able to listen to this podcast. You're still able to to do what you're doing and you will get through whatever hard time it is, is now. So ladies, this has been awesome. I feel like I could talk to you for like days and days (laughs) but i do want to be mindful of our time so i guess to to close like i know you you all have your podcast which is wherever people listen to podcasts where where else can people connect with you i think if they want to start a podcast or launch podcast grow a podcast or monetize you can go to the podcast pro section of our website at almost30.com we have tons of resources from very affordable to very much more expensive with our coaching, but we just really want to help people get their voices heard. And then more information about us is at almost30.com. And then Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram is where we connect with our community the most. We also have a membership if people are interested in that, but I'm on my personal account. It's Krista, ITS Krista, and Lindsay is at Lindsay Simsick. Awesome. Well, I will make sure to plug all that stuff in the show notes and wanted to thank you both again for coming on. And for those listening, there was, there was a lot shared here by both Lindsay and Krista, and we want to hear feedback. We'd love to hear you share takeaways. So maybe it was something that, that Lindsay or Krista said with their journeys. Maybe it was something that they said about how they've made this transition. Maybe it was something that they said about spirituality, the podcast, whatever it was, tag Lindsay, tag Krista, tag almost 30 and tag myself. And we'd love to hear your feedback. And once again, thank you listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst. We'll see you next time.